It's another Monday pun day. So I was leafing through our local paper the other day and spotted an ad for burial plots in the local cemetery. As I glanced at it, I thought, that's the last thing I need. Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Patrick Conley. Welcome to The Inner Life, friends. Patrick Conley attempting to start off your holiday week with a little humor, though if I've done my work correctly, the groans have outweighed the chuckles. Uh, Well, the thing about humor is that it helps to create a connection between people. A shared joke or laugh, it creates a fond memory that is likely to leave a good impression. And perhaps that's why so many single men and women say sense of humor is a feature that is important to them in looking for a spouse. And speaking of seeking a spouse, navigating the single life, as if you are now married, you may recall, or if you are currently single, you may be in the midst of right now, it's it's no picnic. And we've all been there at one time or another. And even if we're not in it right now, whether you're discerning a vocation or seeking a spouse or whatever your endeavors, the question, as always, is how is God involved? And today on the show, we're looking at what it means to be single in the Catholic Church, whether that's unmarried, consecrated, or perhaps widowed. Our spiritual director today is Father Sam Martin, the pastor of Holy Name of Jesus Parish in Wausau in the Diocese of La Crosse, Wisconsin. Happy Monday to you, Father. Well, it is now, thanks to that pun there, uh, Patrick. That was pretty impressive. I had to stop and catch myself. Say, well, that's uh, so. I was smiling. I didn't groan. Uh, okay, good. All Monday right. Well. Pun day. I didn't know that. Uh, and it's uh, on the uh, eve of a uh, civic holiday, so I suppose uh, everybody's in good spirits anyway, right? I hope so. Yeah, a little levity is. It never hurts on a Monday, even if uh, tomorrow is a civic holiday, right? But. Uh, now it's uh, it's something that we're we're starting off where we're starting here on the inner life. We've been rolling with it for a while now. That Monday pun day thing, but um, but that is, I mean, kind of the transition that I tried to make there anyway was that you know this sense of humor is is something that we like. It draws us, it attracts us to other people, and um, that's again why maybe so many single men and women who are seeking a spouse say, well, sense of humor is important to me. But uh, in, as we're considering being single in the church, um, well, maybe let's just start generally, Father. What does it mean to be single and Catholic? What would your first responses be to a question like that? Well, I think, you know, fundamentally, you just go back to Revelation Scripture, Genesis, it's not good for the man to be alone. And uh, so a lot of people don't choose to be single. It's more, for a lot of people, it's kind of circumstantial that... Um, you know, you just don't find the right person, or you feel maybe you didn't discern correctly, or maybe God just—I uh, don't know. I mean, I—if I done something wrong, Lord, am I? So being single is um, for a lot of people not so much a choice; it's just a, a consequence of things not maybe going the way that they wanted. And yet, uh, you know, there's still so many remarkable ways of living out that life that bring grace into our fallen world. That uh, you know, I just think we have to always begin with some of the things that are right there, maybe just below the surface, acknowledging, uh, you know, that loneliness and, uh, you know, that I don't feel like everybody else seems to be doing better than me and spiritual comparisons, which are always uh, uh, fraught with danger. But, uh, you know, so, and even people that are married or in their vocation as a priest or religious, uh, loneliness is just a part of the 
human condition. It's uh, from sure. original sin. It was much better uh, before we sinned, obviously, that we walked with God in the garden, and there was this communion that uh, has been damaged, not completely destroyed, and now rehabilitated by Jesus and his dying and rising, and through the incarnation taken on our nature and then atoning for our sin. But um, even so, the saints would say you can get close to God, but not quite close enough. There's still a veil, and there's still a uh, uh, Dorothy Day talks about the long loneliness as the uh, uh, title of her autobiography, that uh, that life is loneliness. And so uh, we have to acknowledge that every human being is going to go through those things, and uh, yet we can find Christ in the midst of our suffering. We don't want to waste it. We want it to be, uh, you know, lived out in a way that draws those graces into our soul and through us to touch the uh, and help heal the body of Christ, all of God's children. So the ways that it can be lived out, I mean, that, you know, people that are left behind through death, you know, those that were married and now are widows or widowers, uh, people that, um, you know, just didn't find the right person, some that, you know, just I didn't feel drawn to marriage, so it's I don't feel this is any failure. I don't think I was supposed to get married. I didn't feel called to be a priest or religious either. So they're like the uh, kind of the single life that's very dedicated uh, to Christ and living out their baptismal promises. Uh, lots of different considerations and um I was talking to a classmate, and he said this morning when we were chatting about this topic, he said, wow, that's a great topic. That's one that, you know, that just is so often not discussed, and so many people feel, you know, that does anybody know that I go through these things? I, I Sometimes I feel, you know, forgotten. I don't know if anybody has ever acknowledged that I'm a single person, and I, you know, i still trying to be holy, trying to become... Uh, a saint, and is that possible? And of course, the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. Well, certainly, I know that if you're if you're in that state, and and especially if you're a young adult whose um, life trajectory is such that you're probably headed for the married life, um, as a majority of young adults are, um, then there might be this underlying assumption that you are. Uh, discontent or you know you're in this this place is a place of uh, perhaps trying to seek things out and while oftentimes that may be the case um there's some there's some uh what should i say a, a restfulness to it too there's a way of of uh doing it well i guess um even in the midst if you are seeking a spouse or if you are trying to discern a vocation um there are ways to kind of embrace your singleness as well father aren't there well especially through prayer you know otherwise we um we just feel sad or, or every little thing then, you know, comes by way of antagonism. It's just, you know, this is self-fulfilling prophecy that nobody wants me. I must not be lovable. Maybe I'm not, you know, attractive enough. Or when you start to fall into those, um, you know, stinking thinking or whatever, those things that are right. not going to be helpful for the heart, it, if you don't pray enough, that stuff is going to get the upper hand and it's just going to make us sad. And then we can act out in ways that aren't helpful or end up in places where, you know, we'll just take whatever there is. I mean, even if we know somebody might use me, but at least it's better than nothing, you know, and that's where a lot of people, uh, the sinfulness comes out of, um, more out of desperation. It's not so much malice. It's just uh, brokenness. It's loneliness. It's, you know, a desire that somebody, I want to be wanted by somebody. I want to feel that I'm needed. And uh, those are things that through prayer, uh, the Lord will help us to integrate and, uh, and protect us from getting our heart broken. I mean, it's, you know, if we're sad, uh, there are things that can make us more sad. 
and trying to make the pain go away, you can make it worse. And that's uh, when we wouldn't be the first to have gone through something like that. So we have to, we're invited, you know, to acknowledge that I feel alone and I feel, you know, like just unwanted, Lord. Everybody else is getting married, raising families, are all doing the things that, and I just, I don't know, is there something wrong with me? Mm-hmm. And that's where, you know, that sort of vulnerability that comes through prayer is we start to recognize that I know that you love me, Lord. I, I believe that, and that's it's a personal love, that, and that helps me because I worry that no one else does or nobody else will or that I won't find my way, but then that suffering becomes redemptive. Then it becomes a very powerful force that pushes back evil and more and more reconciles heaven and earth. Mm-hmm. People that suffer uh, are given a great weapon, but it's also a heavy cross, and most of us do not suffer very well. The good news is with God's help, we can get better at it, and sometimes uh, we, we think that it's, I'm not so sad, I'm not so angry, I'm not so resentful anymore, Lord. I still don't like this, but I don't think that it's being wasted. I think, Lord, that you see it, you understand it, and you're using it to bring souls home, and someday, Lord, I believe I'll see that too. And for now, that's where, you know, like those who are older, who weren't single, you know, especially those who are uh, widows and widowers, uh, I think of my mom and, and uh, all the things that, um, there's a lot of suffering, especially if you were happily married. If you weren't, uh, when the death, death of your spouse doesn't uh, come as such a great trauma, I suppose, but when you were happily married, uh, that can be a very overwhelming time of uh, just plain suffering or in Christ through our prayer and the sacraments can be a powerful force, no doubt. And this is where the devil, I mean, he's threatened by older people who are suffering in a redemptive way. So he came up with something they call euthanasia, which is an idea spawned in hell to get rid of people that uh, are no longer productive. And that's a big lie because our older people who have a relationship with Jesus, they're praying and they're uniting their suffering to the cross. That's a threat to the evil one. And uh, so he's come up with this terrible idea of reducing that threat, and um, we should defend life at all of its stages. The beginning and the end are just as valuable as everything in between, even if on one level they're not quite as productive. Well, we don't ask our babies to get out there and do something. You're going to have to earn your uh, your keep, kid. Uh, he who would not work should not eat. Yeah, the yeah. kid's only six months. Well, everybody's got excuses, right? <laughs> Yeah, interesting. Well, our spiritual director today is Father Sam Martin from Holy Name of Jesus Parish in Wausau, Wisconsin. We're talking about being single and being Catholic. If you're single, if you're perhaps you're you're single and looking at some point to be married, uh, if you are consecrated, a consecrated single person living in the world, or perhaps you're a widow or widower, and uh, you have some reflections to give, if you have testimonies about what that life has been like for you and what ways that you've found that you have really connected with the church and how that has been a, a boost to your own life of faith, give us a call. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. Or send us an email, life at relevantradio.com. So, Father, I mean, I think a question that kind of roils beneath the surface on a lot of these things, and uh, I realize I, I want to be careful because I don't, I don't, uh, I know that there's a lot of different opinions on this, but let me just ask you, does God call people to be single? Yeah, I don't think that uh, we're going to completely know exactly everything that God does and why he does it. He tells us enough. That's what revelation is. Here's enough sufficient for you to know me 
and to know that I love you and that I have a plan for you. Uh, but he doesn't seem to, to tell us everything. And Jesus alludes to that, like the end of time. Like, when is it going to be? Can we, well, it's not even, you know, that that's reserved to the Father, just like the place that is right and is left and so forth. So there's some things that God has not revealed. So could he be calling people to live a single life? Of course. I mean, there are many paths. It was uh, Pope Benedict, when he was still Cardinal Ratzinger, was asked, how many, you know, paths are there to heaven? And this was a secular journalist that thought, well, he's going to say one. If you're not Catholic, you're going to, you know, there's just, there's nothing but eternal damnation for you. But he was already a very wise, holy uh, priest at that point, Cardinal Ratzinger, and he said, there are as many paths to heaven as there are souls. Now, everybody in heaven is saved by Jesus. That's the only way. He's the way, the truth, and the life. So whether or not a person was explicitly a Christian or not, if they're in heaven, they know how they got there. They were saved by Jesus by dying and rising and then doing this in his memory, which is the Mass. Uh, that's the beautiful access that we have to that Paschal mystery. And uh, the Mass brings souls to Christ, and he takes them home. So, But um, as far as, like, that every path is, uh, is somewhat unique, because each one of us is unique. We're all God's children, but uh, that he could call us in different ways. Of course he can. And then let's say, well, what if we miss uh, his plan? What if we... You know, right. reject it. We say, I'm not going to do that. Pope Benedict, yeah, good once again, he was asked, if you miss, you know, your vocation, what then? Does God have, you know, contingency plans, alternative plans for those who he knows that are going to be, you know, foolish, stubborn, ignorant, whatever? And uh, the Pope said, yeah, he's probably got dozens, you know, he's probably... Mm. And you look at the, the history of, of salvation and our older brothers and sisters and the Jews, uh, God's chosen people. I mean, how many times does God make a covenant? We blow it. He makes a new covenant, we blow it. And he, you know, he institutes the priesthood, and, and it was all the firstborn sons, and uh, it keeps getting restricted because we keep saying no, and we reject God's plan, so he comes up with a different plan. Now, the last covenant is the definitive one. There'll be no more. Jesus like, you know, this is the, the blood of the covenant, the eternal covenant. There's not going to be another one. So this time we've, uh, we've been given the great gift that is of inestimable worth. So it would be something analogous, that if, if God could do that with his people who wanted to say yes, but they're a lot like us, you know, let your yes mean yes. Well, sometimes it does, Lord, but not always. Uh, sometimes I got my fingers crossed, or I have a divided heart, or I'm compromised by sin. Yeah, those things are all part of the human condition, and so God doesn't give up. He just comes up with another plan. So if he wants to call someone, and this is like at the end of the Gospel of St. John, where it's a... Uh, you know, Peter asks about John, what about him? And uh, Jesus says something kind of cryptic. Well, what is it to you that if he's here when I return? Right. So the rumor goes out that Jesus said that John's not going to die. And John's like, that's not what he said. I mean, he, this is what he said, and we don't even exactly know what he meant. But what he was telling Peter is, you stay in your lane. You follow mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. I'm asking him to follow me. I'm not asking you all to follow me the same way because you're not the same people. Equal? Yes. By God's design, we're equal. We're all made by the same perfect Father, and uh, there's not a single one of us that's better than somebody else. There are some that are more faithful, some that are more full of grace, preeminently our Blessed Mother. But all of us are called, every single person is called, uh, to holiness, and that's going to look different. So if a person is not married, uh, that could have been their own choice. It could have had something to do with a divine initiative. And I think that's consoling, that whatever our life is, that bidden or unbidden, God is present. Mm -hmm. So we have to recognize that, what if I screw up? What if I say no? Is my life ruined? Nope. Changed. 
but not ended, is what they yeah. used to say at the funeral. So uh, something like that uh, happens in our spiritual life, too. Mm-hmm. Again, our spiritual director, Father Sam Martin, reflecting on being single and being Catholic, or just uh, the many different ways in which uh, different souls, like you said, uh, different souls follow unique paths to to heaven, and uh, all done through the death and resurrection of our Lord, of course, but um, that uh, God is God is aware of our situations and circumstances. And if you particularly are a single person, and uh, maybe you're finding great joy in that, maybe you're finding some challenge in that, maybe there's uh, some of each in that. We'd love to hear your story. 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. And Father, just staying with the uh, kind of the idea of the young person who um, is thinking, well, I, I do believe I'm called to marriage, but, you know, things haven't happened yet. And maybe it's uh, maybe they're getting not so young. You know, maybe they're getting upwards in age. I know I have friends who have uh, lived this life, too. Um, what's there? You, you mentioned prayer before. Um, but what is it? I mean, in terms of like. What's the church's advice in terms of well okay how do we how do we seek a godly spouse well it's uh it's never been easy, and I don't think it's uh it's ever going to be and uh so it's the work of prayer and it's the work of um living our life in being you know somewhat prudential about the places that we search you know i mean a lot of people it's um it can be the the kind of the typical, well, we just go out to, you know, socialize in, in the bar setting or whatever, and we have to be careful of that. I think practicing our faith, I just think that many times there are things that God will help us with, and then we'd say, well, why does he help some and not others? There always is this uh, tendency that I know with my mom and dad, my mom, you know, was discerning the school sisters of Notre Dame, so for many years she was in the convent, but that wasn't God's will, so when she came home, uh, you know, that Sometimes you worry, like, is it going to be too late for me? And my dad, in the meantime, he'd been in the seminary for a little bit, but wasn't God's will, so he's farming and he's older. And somebody knew that uh, this girl had come home from the convent, and this is way back in the day where they you know, communicated by messages and bottles and smoke signals and things like that. You know? But they wrote letters. <laughs> so, I mean, it's actually what yes. they did. Right. They wrote a couple times and met at a dance. And anyway, I mean... What if they don't meet? What if that I there's so many things that are a mystery to us, mm-hmm. and um, the main thing is to recognize that you know it's complicated, and yet the Lord wants to keep it simple. Get up in the morning and say your prayers. Give us this day our daily bread. That today is an opportunity. I don't know. Well, what about this? I and mean, we we just worry about so many things that um, we can't control. And anyway, that's a, a fear thing. Faith says, you know, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If, if you have someone for me, Lord, I hope you do. <laughs> I wish you would, but that's, that's in your plan. I have mine, and we have to be honest with God about our own plans. We don't have to pretend like, I'll do whatever you want, Lord. And then <laughs> he's like, uh, you can see our hearts. and We say that we'll do whatever he wants, but we want what we want, and we may as well be honest about it and pray that way and say, but Lord, if, if what I want is not going to help me, to be the saint, the heroic person that you want me, to, then you know what's best. I was said a little bit about Pier Giorgio Fursati. His uh, feast day is tomorrow. He died at the age of 24, 1925. And so the, on the 4th of July, that's why it's his feast. And um, he wanted to be a priest. And his dad was a uh, you know, pretty big wig in Turin. You know, he was a, a, a media guy, a lot of money. And he said, no, my son's not going to be a priest. And uh, those are tough things. 
but he didn't waste that time, and he didn't have a lot of it, but he, he went around and he lived the Beatitudes. He, you know, he was good to the poor. He saw Christ and the marginalized. He, and so when he died, he didn't, nothing was wasted. Like, I didn't get to be a priest. I didn't get, yeah, well, that's life. Sometimes it doesn't go the way you want. And that's a, a raw thing. It's a hard thing. And let's not pretend it's not. But, um, and I'm also thinking, incidentally, Patrick, of other single people through divorce, which may or may not have had anything to do with their own you know, responsibility. It could have been the other person that just walked away or whatever. I mean, that's a yeah. whole uh, a growing sector of our world, too, that are single because a, a marriage failed. And that can leave a lot of raw pain. And, uh, but... We look at Christ and Him crucified, and He can use suffering to save souls. He's proven it was His chosen weapon. It befuddles the devil, and us too, we don't like it. It's like, you know, so uh, could God choose people uh, to be single? And, um, and in, the, in the meantime, if, if we are single but we don't feel like, what can we do? Pray, you know, for our future spouse. What if someday you never get married and say, well, who was I praying for? I don't know. The Lord, he applies to no wasted prayer ever. God is resourceful. He'll use those prayers for someone in some, in some circumstance, and uh, he'll reveal that to us when uh, all will be known. Amen to that. We are talking about being single and being Catholic here on the on the show today, and whether you are single, unmarried, if you're a consecrated uh, single person living in the world, if you're a widow or widower, or, yeah, if you have suffered divorce as well. We'd love to hear from you and your thoughts about particularly about how that, how living life in the Catholic Church has uh, been maybe a challenge sometimes or maybe very fruitful, maybe both. 888 is our phone number, 888 or send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com. Going to take a short break, but there's more to come with the Inner Life right after this. Stay with us. Our sponsor, the University of Dallas, invites you to check out The Quest, a five-episode video series on discovering our purpose and living it with courage. Start watching The Quest for free at relevantradio.com slash quest. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Holy glory, hallelujah. Here on Relevant Radio on RelevantRadio.com and the Relevant Radio app as we are looking to head to our celebrating our country's birthday tomorrow on the 4th of July. Maybe you're together with friends, family, doing a little barbecuing, some grilling out or camping or gathering around the bonfire. Whatever you're doing, I hope it's a safe and enjoyable 4th of July celebration for you. Today on The Inner Life, we're talking about being single and being Catholic. And if you have an experience that has been really helpful, that the church has really helped you in your singleness, um, has maybe reached out to you, or maybe you have some frustrations too. Maybe there are suggestions you would have about how your parish or uh, others might be open to uh, more open to the single people in their midst. Then give us a call, 888-914-9149. Let's take a phone call. Joe is calling in from San Diego. Joe, welcome to The Inner Life. Thank you. Yeah, I'd just like to say that there is a ministry, a very little-known ministry called Beginning who lost a spouse through death, divorce, or separation. I'm sorry, Joe, you just cut out there for a little bit. What's the name of the ministry again? Beginning Experience. Got it. Okay, please continue. 
So anyway, my wife died in 2016. I attended beginning experience in 2017. And it was a life-changing event for me. I mean, it just turned me around from a lukewarm Catholic to an on-fire Catholic. And I can't say enough good about it. Even if you've lost your spouse 10 or 20 years ago, if it still bothers you and you'd like to talk about it or think about it and, and do a whole weekend over it, uh, I highly recommend you look into beginning experience. We have a ministry in San Diego. There's one in Orange County, Los Angeles, and, and pretty much throughout the country and the world, for that matter. It's a worldwide uh, ministry. But in any case, I had a profound experience with the Holy Spirit during that weekend, and I just am on fire for Catholicism and for the people, just people in general, that I'm, I'm having a wonderful time being single. I, I can talk to women now, but I couldn't before. I mean, it's just different. Yeah, it sounds like a remarkable uh, opportunity, Joe. Maybe describe, like, well, you know, what happened or how did it, I mean, the experience of the Holy Spirit, so like a gratitude for the life that you had together and just the healing and, and the hope, or maybe it was like meeting other people and, and their pain, the solidarity, the uh, the body of Christ became more real. I mean, maybe just if you share one grace that uh, stands out, Joe, from that time in your life, uh that I think would be a, a gift to us. Sure. Okay, well, it's basically all of the above, the way you just said it. But essentially, I was, you know, during the weekend retreat, you, you write and you think and you talk and you, you know, discuss things with all the other people that have been through the same experience or similar experience, losing a spouse. And at one point, I mean, you just go through a very cathartic emotional thing. It's it's great. It just it's like when you're sick and you vomit. Oh, I think we may have lost Joe there. Yeah. Yeah, you get well, the idea of course yeah. of um you know, facing some of those raw emotions which is a thing that as human beings we just don't like to do and uh we can put that off for years and a lot of us in different ways we you know, develop kind of unhealthy compensatory behaviors that we might not even be all that conscious of. But the good thing is that in a place like this, beginning experience that Joe was just describing, there's, uh, you know, God lives in the light, so uh, and he's not afraid of anything. So just talking to somebody, and this is why, you know, even on a radio show, you know, just to hear other people touching some of the hurts that are, that one is in my heart. That one still stings. I know exactly what that person is saying. That's why it can be, a, this is such a remarkable program. I mean, I think a lot of us, way back in the day when they said, we're going to do spiritual direction over the radio. Well, that's a crazy thing to do. I mean, how's that going to work? <laughs> but um, in fact, I think it it just is a, lot, a, a way that God's light is shining in our darkness, and it's a way of inviting us that you don't have to, to stay there uh, any longer. So we had a priest uh, just recently on our Priest Unity Days that um, he was quoting... Uh, well, it's from you know the book of Genesis and Abraham and Sarah, but before they had their new identities and they're really struggling with trust. So Abraham has relations with Hagar and they have a son, and then eventually they finally he and his wife they have a son, and so they kick Hagar and Ishmael and they send them you know go away you know just get out of here. And so here's Hagar, a single mother, 
and with her son, and she's, you know, crossing the desert, and God speaks to her, and yeah. he, he says, where have you come from, and where are you going? And it begins the hope of her life that there's a God that understands, that knows. I mean, he doesn't have to ask those questions because he knows where she came from. He knows exactly what she's been through, and he also knows that it doesn't mean you don't have a destiny. It doesn't mean there's nothing in this life for you anymore. You've just been cast out as if you were useless, rubbish. We don't you know, see any value. No. So this is the way God works. And even over the radio, when people like Joe kind of share these things, beginning experience, incidentally, if you're in California or maybe they're around the country, but um, I see people, I was uh, after Mass yesterday, one of our, our recent widowers was, you know, uh, praying in the back, and you could see that he was, you know, facing his emotions. Yeah. And uh, it could be a pretty lonely experience, but um, I'm grateful to God that Joe called in, because these are things that are, are tangible. It's like, oh, there might be some way that, and it may not be us now, but someday we're going to lose our spouse if we're married, uh, or we might know somebody else that we could, uh, you know, pass this along and say, hey, there are things you can do, uh, because there are a lot of crazy things that people say when we're grieving. They'll say, well, you should be past that by now, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's time to flip the page, turn the, you know, uh, to a new chapter. of your. People are well-intentioned, but that stuff can really hurt when we're in that grief and that brokenness and that darkness, and then people have a way of wanting to console, and actually they exacerbate it by uh, <laughs> uh, many degrees. So anyway, we're all learning. And uh, it's a slow road, but by God's grace, a sure road. And amen that he is patient with us. Yeah, Joe, thanks for calling in and thanks for sharing that uh, tip. We appreciate that very much. And now let's go to Suzanne calling in from California as well. Good morning, Suzanne. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Can you hear me? Yep, just fine. Hello? Yep, we can hear you. Go ahead. Can you hear us? Okay, great. Um. So I was married for 25 years. My husband was an alcoholic, and then slowly, the older he got, the worse it got. We have three kids. They're all in their 30s now. I'm now 60, and I've been single since 46 years old. I have a male friend. I have a lot of friends, but one that's as old as my dad. And it's interesting how uh, people try and push us into getting married. We, we're friends. That's it. But I think it's interesting that many Christians, it just drives them nuts. Like, why aren't you married? Why aren't you getting married? And, you know, marriage is also a business. You're blending your finances as well. You can't just jump into something. And I think they're they're just being, I don't know, trying to be overly Christian or overly virtuous. And they, they, I don't know, it's like it unsettles people to see you single. And that has been very frustrating. And I certainly did not get divorced because um, anything I did, you know, my husband tried to kill me and my kids. He embezzled money. And so my priest was like, look, you got to get out of this. And I, I don't, I hate that saying where it's like, well, there's two sides to every story. No, there's not. Sometimes somebody is clearly dysfunctional and walking with Satan, and you need to get out of that. Um, but I'm certainly not anxious to jump in to another situation. So anyway, that's my experience as a Catholic. Yeah, it's probably not uh, completely unique, Suzanne. It's uh, probably, it's, once again, people are, maybe we're well-intentioned, but we just don't know, unless you're in that situation, that uh, it's not exactly the right message. And, you know, of course, um, 
you know, St. Paul would recommend, you know, marriage if it was a struggle with chastity. But as long as we're living as friends, as brother and sister and so forth, and we're content with that, we're at peace with that, and it's a life-giving friendship, well, you know, that's not the same as a marriage. It's a very different relationship, and that might be all that we're called to at that point in our life. Uh, we do live in a society where sometimes there's the awkward kind of like, you know, uh, that's my male friend, my female friend, and they, they kind of live with me or whatever. And um, and I think sometimes, you know, the society will give the impression that, you know what, it's fine. You know, at your age, you can do what you want. Nobody can tell you uh, this that, or the other thing. And the great thing about our Catholic faith is that it's consistent. You know, it says that uh, the language of the body is uh, saying that I love you forever. And if we engage in that, but we haven't said it, well, then it's something is awry, and that's not going to help us to grow as human beings, and it's going to damage our capacity to receive God's love. And that's not because God stopped loving us. It's just that these sorts of things damage the receptivity of the heart. And I know people, we have lots of ways of rationalizing. But anyway, to come back to your point, Suzanne, is that you feel content, at peace with this friendship that is uh, a blessing in in the life of each of you. And uh, I suppose that these things are just around. I mean, what can we do? We feel like, you know... Everybody has an opinion about how I should live my life. Yeah, and that's, um, you know, I think you're naming it, and uh, it's clear that it's not the most pleasant part of your life. But I guess maybe we bring it to prayer to say, you know, because Jesus would have, he knows exactly, you know, here's a, a single Jewish man who's in his 20s and his 30s. He must have heard it over and over again because this is a small group of people. And it's part of the Mosaic law that you get married and you raise a family. That's not an option, especially if, you know, uh, there's nothing, no reason not to. You're healthy, you're, you're ineligible, you know. So he must have heard this over and over again. And, you know, then, then guys like Dan Brown come along and they tell us that, well, in fact, he was married to me. Yeah, yeah. You know, this kind of stuff. So, <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, this stuff is as old as the world, and you're not the first one to endure it, Suzanne. And I'm sorry when people, you know, well-intentioned or not, it's... Um, Sometimes you think, you know, it's really not exactly your business, but, uh, I mean, if it was your mom or dad telling you, that's one thing, but it's just the, the average person that, uh, you know, they think that this is what you need to do. I will take it under advisement. You know, the Lord, uh, how many times has God been told what he should do in running the universe? And, uh, you know, so be patient, prayerful, and uh, I hope to God that these things that... Um, you know, our life-giving, they, the tr- friendship that we see, you know, in the scriptures, and, uh, you know, that's David and Jonathan we've been reading about in the Office of Readings and so forth. They're just some beautiful life-giving friendships that can heal some of the terrible trauma from your past, Suzanne. And, uh, and I'm glad that uh, somehow God draws straight with the crooked lines. You know, you have children, maybe grandchildren someday and so forth, so, but um, a lot of sadness that God alone can redeem and uh, his grace is sufficient. So thanks for your call. Yeah, thank you, Suzanne. Appreciate that. Appreciate you calling in and sharing your experience. If you have experiences of being a single in the church, you'd like to share with us, we'd love to hear from you. 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. Our email address is innerlifeatrelevantradio.com. We're talking about being single in the church these days with our spiritual director, Father Sam Martin, from Holy Name of Jesus Parish in Wausau, Wisconsin. We're going to take another quick break, but we'll be back with more of The Inner Life right after this. You can support Relevant Radio in many ways. 
joining a giving society, donating a vehicle you don't need anymore, and now donating a piece of land or other real estate. Donate now at relevantradio.com slash property. Oh, beautiful, far heroes proved in liberating strife. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio. My name is Patrick Conley. My thanks to Nick Sentovich, our producer, and both Sarah Tafoya and Cyrus Simcoe taking your phone calls today. So we're talking about being single and Catholic with our spiritual director, Father Sam Martin, pastor of Holy Name of Jesus Parish in Wausau, Wisconsin. Let's go back to the phones now. Uh, Laura is calling in from Chicago. Laura, welcome to The Inner Life. Thanks for calling. Hi, thank you for taking my call. It couldn't have come at a more appropriate time. Because yesterday I was like, oh my gosh, I'm 55 years old. I have 14-year-old twins and I'm so single forever. Hmm. And it's okay. And I, I, you know, their dad is very active in their life. And when I had them at 40, he abandoned us. He just literally, then I found out he had Asperger's and all this crazy stuff. But um, I don't date because I am active in the church and they are in Catholic school and they're now going into high school, Catholic high school. And I don't want to bring strange men around my children. I have a daughter who's 14 and a 14 year old son. And I just think that would be a bad example. And I, you know, it would be nice to have someone help me around the house and carrying my groceries. But then I think it was the other side, just going on a date at 55 Dating in the 80s was people were hooking up in bars. I'm not going to lie about that. And then I was in the Army, and I had some trauma there. And I just I just don't think it would be good. And I'm so useful in so many other ways to so many other people by being single. And people ask me, and I always say, oh, no one wants to date me. I'm a, you know, I have PTSD. I'm a head case. <laughs> but that's not true. <laughs> but it gets me off the hook for a little while. And now I'm kind of worried getting older and I'm thinking, who's going to take care of me when I'm older? But the truth is God, the Lord has provided me with every tool I've ever needed along the way to raise my children and buy this house and have a great job. And I have such good friends, married, single, and I'm very blessed. And he's, he's always been there for me. I just look at my walk and I've never been alone. And that's my experience in the Catholic church and my faith. Because I am single, I'm able to do more and volunteer more and be a presence in my children's lives. So I don't know if I have anything to offer, you know, but it was hard yesterday. I was thinking about that. So yeah, you offered really us a lot. Yeah, because of, uh, you know, you mentioned your faith, Laura, and that's your relationship with God, and that's the heart is never going to be completely consoled this side of eternity, but uh, that is, uh, you know, that's what, I mean, we do worry about lots of things, and that doesn't ever go away. We live in this tension, you know, between who we are and who we're going to be, uh, between heaven and earth, between you know, the things of our past, present, future. There's just so many things that are, are being worked out, and uh, we're in a hurry to get that stuff completed, and it doesn't go that way. 
for any of us. So we walk by faith, not by sight. And that faith is, the Lord is saying, you're not alone. I'm with you. I will be with you until the end of the age. I, I promise. And his presence, while mysterious, is real and not so easily intuited. But it's that, you know, Paul tries to say this to the Athenians. He says, I noticed you have a, an altar to the unknown God, but I want to tell you that, you know, he is known. He sent his son. We can tell you his name. And he died and rose from the dead. They're, they're perplexed by this, but he said that he's not far from any of us. And bidden or unbidden, God is always present, So, and you've begun to taste and see that. But that does not make life easier, and that's where your heart is still human. It's still, you know, that there are days where it's just, I feel, you know, there are the long days, and everybody else has got somebody to be with, or they're all busy, they're all doing these things, and here I am. I mean, I remember I saw... Uh, there's a movie about this. Anyway, this religious sister, and some of it was based in a true life story. And she said, sure, sometimes I feel like I'm the biggest fool of all, like everybody's with their families and they're, you know, and it's just like certain times of the year where those things are a suffering. They are. And uh, we may as well just, you know, acknowledge it and let the Lord, because he says, I'm with you. I know. <laughs> and I, it's going to be better in the next life, I promise you. And, um, you do have a lot of, I mean, besides your faith and your activity in the church, which I think for a lot of people, that's where, you know, one of the themes of the readings this past weekend was, you know, this Shunammite woman welcomes Elisha the prophet, and we want to have a welcoming spirit. Jesus said, if you, the person who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me, and then you receive a prophet's reward, all these sorts. So to have an accommodating heart, the church needs to be like that. You know, even the Piazza Saint, uh, of St. Peter's has got... I mean, it's either a keyhole or it's like the church's arms reaching around, drawing in all of God's people, every one of us. And uh, so the church wants to have that role. I don't think that because we're human, we don't always get that right. But uh, you've found in your faith, in your life in the church, uh, a way of facing the pain that is a part of the human condition. And uh, so, and I, I think sometimes we do say those things that, well, who would have me anyway? But Sometimes we have to be careful because that can hurt our self-worth. You're beautiful, and you're only getting younger on the inside, and, uh, and God sees all that, and he loves all that. And, um, so, but sometimes we have these little ways. They're little defense mechanisms, and we have to kind of, okay, sometimes you just diffuse the situation because I just don't want to deal with it, or I don't know this person well enough that I really want to talk about it with him or her. Uh, but we also have to bring that to the Lord, like, I hope I don't believe that about myself. Uh, you know, I, we are getting older, and uh, there's something beautiful about that, uh, but it's to be like a child on the inside, and that's the work mm. of grace. So, Laura, you, it's a beautiful testimony that you give, because a lot of people are listening, and it's it's probably hitting lots of uh, wounds that people have, and they, uh, they've known it, but it's still like, gosh, I, sometimes I just feel really blue. Does anybody else? Yeah. Yep. Right. <laughs> I mean, for yeah. a priest, it comes on a Sunday afternoon. And so you hmm. try to stay busy, you try to have something planned, but, you know, you've just been with all the people of God, and you see all these families, and everybody seems so happy, and we know they're all human, they're not perfect, any one of them, but then they all go home, and so do we, and sometimes the rectory is a big empty building, and you feel like uh, the communion that you just experienced has whet your appetite for more, and now it's time to receive less. Or, so uh, we're, we're cut from the same cloth. We, uh, anyway... Laura, thanks for calling in. At least uh, you certainly have had an impact in my life, so I appreciate that. Yeah.
Yeah. Well, got uh, other ones, other calls lining up. Laura, I appreciate the call. Thank you for doing that. I'm, I'm appreciative of that. I especially like the, uh, admire the sacrifices that you're making on behalf of your children. So thank you for, for that and for your fidelity to the Lord and not wanting to live immorally as well. So great testimony. Thank you for calling in, Laura. Um, yeah, we've got a few more calls to take to try to squeeze in before the end of the show here. Charlotte is calling in from Sacramento. Charlotte, thanks for calling in. Yeah, thank you. Can you guys hear me okay? Yeah, absolutely. Wonderful. I'm really, I just want to say thanks for covering this topic. As a 20-something-year-old, it's been a very difficult season to navigate singleness. I was telling the prompter who took my call, just there's this middle period between confirmation in high school and marriage that I really don't feel the Catholic Church is helping young people enough. I am a pretty devout Catholic, I would say, and I just have found it extremely difficult to understand the value of my singleness. And I went to a lot of podcasts, just more so Protestant podcasts, honestly, because they talk about this a lot more, how to navigate this this time and that singleness truly is a gift. And we have a unique ability to foster our faith and prepare ourselves for marriage. And I just don't feel that's been really supported or talked about in the Catholic Church. And, um, you know, for me, going to Mass as, as a woman, I'm just not seeing young Catholic men in the churches. And, and it's sad. It's a pandemic within our own congregation. And it's challenged me to question myself as to whether I am having too high of expectations in faith um, looking for a spouse. I just, I don't feel equally yoked with anyone. Um, I don't know if you have any comments on that or advice. Um, it, it's, but it's been a difficult season to navigate and I've, I found peace finally with it, but, um, it took me many years. Well, number one, Charlotte, I mean, uh, thanks for your candor because it's true. I think, I mean, I just have, it's not a topic that I've treated very well or very often in my life. It's just, you know, you get caught up in all the other things that, uh, and this is not unimportant. I mean, I think, you know, your observations are, are very apt and they're very uh, helpful. So I think number one is the acknowledgement that Houston, we have a problem. Okay, that helps. I mean, a lot of people feel like, you know, am I losing my mind? Am I the only one? Does anybody else feel this way? Yes, yes. I mean, like you said, it, it's like a, an epidemic. I mean, we just, where are the men? Where are the young men that are virtuous? What, do I just have to kind of cash in my chips and take whoever I can? I mean, I just, yeah, otherwise I, I don't want to be alone. I, don't, I feel like I'm called to marriage. And sometimes people say that if, if you're not willing to do what the culture wants you to do with these people, uh, then they're just going to pass you on by. And a lot of those are compromises that hurt us. And, like, I, I'm not willing to do that. So then all of a sudden you're sidelined and you're not. Uh, so number one is acknowledgement that we, we have a problem. This is a challenge. But it's not an obstacle. It's an opportunity. What can we do? Now that uh, is going to take some time in prayer. Um, maybe you can write a book and uh, send it to me, and then I'll, uh, I'll use it as to make my preaching a little bit more uh, you know, relevant. To, I, I, that's why these programs exist, is to start to surface, like, you know, that we don't all, every generation is going to have its, its blind spots, its struggles, its challenges, and they're not all the same. These are not the challenges that our parents or grandparents faced, but they are challenges. They are hard, and they make our life uh, sometimes, uh, you know, sad. But now that we're aware of it, let's find some ways to, you know, we got to tell these young guys that, you know, you're called to be the husbands and fathers of our next generation. 
and you're not going to meet the women that want to love you and support you and, and you know, be with you the rest of your life unless you're doing the right things. You're not going to meet them in these kinds of places. You're going to meet women there, but not the ones that are really going to love you. And if you want a broken heart and go through all that, okay, it's pretty predictable, but here are some other things that you need to consider. Uh, we can call people on to greater nobility and courage, and, I mean, that's what we're made for. We're made for, you know, much more than the world would have us. Uh, you know, say, well, this is sufficient. You'll be satisfied with this. I don't know. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, like uh, Cheryl Crow, I'll date myself, but she had that, that refrain, right, if it makes you happy, it can't be that can't bad. Be that if bad, it makes yeah. you happy, then why the heck are you so sad? Well, right. <laughs> that's, a, that's asking uh, a, a very insightful question, the law of diminishing returns. So anyway, Charlotte, the program is going to run out, and uh, but I think that uh, this is something. How do I help people at, that between confirmation and if and when, God willing, they get married to live that time when they're single? And a time that's uh, it's a productive time. Potentially, it could be a fruitful time. It can cultivate virtue, uh, or it can be a disastrous time. Where now I've got a lot of bad habits, some addictions, because I live that time wrongly, and uh, I've got to spend a long time trying to let God's grace heal that. Well, we have uh, our work cut out for us. God bless you, Charlotte. Yeah, thank you, Charlotte, for the phone call. And you know, it, it occurs to me too, and not that I'm trying to put anything further on your plate, Charlotte. I'm sure you have plenty of things that you're doing right now, but. Uh, but maybe there are somebody listening and you're in the Sacramento area or somewhere around the area where there's uh, there's young adult groups that are well put together, well formed. I've seen, I mean, I'll be honest, I've seen young adult groups that are really well put together and are doing all sorts of amazing things. And I've seen young adult groups that are, if they're not non-existent, they're really not helpful. <laughs> so um, I, I suppose just with a little bit of uh, looking around on the Internet, you might find what are some good characteristics of young adult groups. In fact, that might be a good show topic for us here on The Inner Life in, in, uh, in days to come. Because I think you're exactly right, Charlotte. I've definitely seen it, that there are a number of ways that, uh, well, certainly uh, the church, we, we all can improve with reaching out to those who are in between uh, high school or confirmation and and marriage. So thank you for the call again, Charlie. I appreciate that. And uh, as we're wrapping up our conversation about being single and Catholic, Father, we would love it if you would close us with a blessing. May Almighty God bless all of his people, every one of us, but especially those who feel marginalized or invisible or not wanted, not loved, because we all, by God's grace, we are unconditionally loved. May God bless you now and always, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father Sam Martin has been our spiritual director. As always, you can find an archived show over at relevantradio.com slash inner life. Coming up next, of course, we have the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. Father Matthew seminars are celebrant today. Coming up Wednesday on the show, extemporaneous prayer. Do you get seized up when you're asked to pray for a group of people? Well, this might be a great time to tune in and listen to our spiritual director, Father Chris Walsh, on Wednesday. Thanks for joining us this time. Thanks for listening. Until next time, grace and peace.